calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm your host this week, Chris Tilley, and I am joined by Rory Powers, who is IGN's answer to John Barrowman. Ha! That's a compliment, right? Um, well, with your fake accent. Yeah, oh. we're just talking about it in terms of the accent. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing, Rory? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Uh, I have two coffees in front of me. Yeah, that's a bit worrying. Yeah, well, this was the whole thing. I didn't know Dana made me a coffee, so I made myself another coffee. So it's kind of like Christmas morning right now. So are you gonna <laughs> are you gonna speak increasingly faster as the podcast Very, goes on? My, my pitch is gonna rise exponentially. Something it's gonna for be us. like Alvin and the Chipmunks <laughs> by the time by the time we're done. That's something for us to look forward to. And I'm also joined by Luke Carmali, who's IGN's answer to Chris Farley. Yeah, but you know what? I'll take that. <laughs> Unfortunately, just because they rhyme. How are yeah. you doing, Luke? Uh, I'm very good. It's my first actual podcast with with Rory, but we I know. S- we sit next to each other and we, we exactly. So we talk enough. This we is do. like extra work. I don't, we don't need to. Be I hope yet. you don't bring the tension from out there between the two of you into here because sexual or angry. <laughs> Which one are we? You tell me. Both, yeah. yeah, you know. You shouldn't have put us facing off. Yeah, <laughs> there's quite a lot of intensity time. here. <laughs> okay, uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, Luke, you've done something exciting this week. Let's talk about that. I have. So. Uh, you, I don't mention it enough, really, but um, I like this game series called Final Fantasy. You're a fan. So um, the guy who c- composed a lot of the music for it and is a big, big composer in the Japanese uh, RPG world is a guy called Nobuo Umatsu. And um, he's been around kind of since the NES days. He was around when the game industry started. And he was over in London recording some songs for a new album. And they are Final Fantasy songs and like kind of remastered and slightly rearranged. And so he was recording that at Abbey uh, Abbey Road Studios. So I got to go along and go inside Abbey Road with him and interview him and um, watch him kind of watching the the songs. It was a bit bit surreal, really. Mm. Um, so I met him on Sunday night. I met him on Sunday night at his hotel, full disclosure, to um, to kind of do an interview with him. And that was great. Uh, and I was a bit hungover and so a little bit kind of dazed anyway. And I thought, oh, well, I'm just hungover. It'll be fine when I see him the following day. The following day, I was even more kind of confused. Just It was just very surreal meeting him. But he was a really, really nice guy and um, got some really good stuff from him in terms yeah. of his history. Um, and Abbey Road is a very nice studio. Who was playing the uh, the music? The London Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wow. No that's way. pretty good. Yeah. That's so it was, it was like the full orchestra. And it was um, 
it was ridiculous. So we were kind of in the in you know the the booth where they have all the mixers, mm. and um, the conductors in there obviously conducting them and kind of being like they the take sounded exactly the same to us. But he was like, right, now you need to come in a little bit sharp and a little bit, and just the, how meticulous they are and how they can respond mm. to such direction, how they can pick it all apart. Um, it was astonishing because you know as much as anything, it was great meeting him, but mm. you know it was just quite an experience anyway. And also Abbey Road having so much history. Yeah, which was. Have you been to Abbey Road yet? I haven't. No, I haven't. I, I mean, there's not a lot. The obligatory photo. Yeah, there's not a lot to see as a tourist. The, actually, yeah. yeah, I almost did that, but I was on my own, and I was like, "That's going to be a well, bit that's, sad." Well, yeah, I don't want to Photoshop myself <laughs> four times, like some yeah. sort of lame. Tourist, I couldn't bring yeah. myself to do it when I was there. No, it I just all. Fa- I was there with a, a lot of um, American guys and yeah. uh, a bunch of journalists, and everyone was doing it, and I just, I was getting a bit. It was making me cringe. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was just gonna say. That uh, just, oh god! Imagine you if that was like your house, and that was your traffic was just tourists who. Were, all standing. Well, it's crazy. There's just there's just que- there's just queues of cars there. It must yeah. drive you mad if you if you drive there and don't realise it's coming up. And yeah, yeah. Because oh, I mean, that was the thing. Like I when I was there, I was just like, am I on the right? Oh, yeah. No, there's a zebra crossing with people queuing to get on it. Oh yeah, no, we God. are absolutely yeah. queuing up. That's yeah, ridiculous. Uh, so when will this be on the site? This interview. So this should be on the site. Um, by the time the podcast is live, this should be on the site. Oh so, wow! Yes. Wow. Yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. So it's all kind of it's in the pipeline. Cool. Um, I put something on the site this week that was very exciting. I posted my top 10 films. Each of the uh, IGN editors has been doing top 10 Mm. games, top 10 films. And it was my turn last week, which is really nerve wracking for a critic to do that. Because once it's out there, it's out there. And then you'll know you're getting judged. Because people Uh, know. So what did you go for? I went for for a mix of everything, really. Uh I'm excited. Uh, Some old, some new, some... um, Nothing too new, actually. I feel like okay. it's got to be. A f- I've got to give it a few years before it makes it onto the list to see if it still, <laughs> still yeah. holds up. That's, it, that's true, though. See yeah. if it resonates because you can come out of some films going wowzer, and then, and then you know, years. Inception was a bit like that for yeah. me, where I loved yeah. it immediately. Although I'm hearing people now when Interstellar come out saying they're, they're back to liking Inception now. They've watched it a few times. Mm. But anyway, getting off the point. Yeah, and then and then also you know we know how the commenters are on IGN. Yes. just waiting for that. Love I took them. a lot of criticism. For having black and white films on there, okay, two black and white films. Yeah, for putting uh, someone said, "Oh, look at the pretentious guy. He's got the obligatory black and white film." (laughs) And then someone else going, "Yeah, you know, people don't understand that. uh, You know, we've come so far in such a short period of time that you can't compare them. That they're just not in the same league." And it's like, no, that's not true at all. That's ridiculous. That's bull, man. I don't know why I'm saying this. I mean, you know me. If the film's made before '95, I can't. (laughs) Is commentary by any chance (laughs) fourteen? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you know what? There were a couple of people that said, "Oh, I've never heard of this one. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to mm, check yeah. it out." And if that's all that a list does, that's great. That's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I, you know, I put one that's been on many of our lists yeah. um, doing this process uh, as my number one, which was Back to the Future. Yeah. yeah, it was on Dan's list. I think it would be on Alex's if Alex It'd did be one. On mine too, for sure. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. You love you love Back to the Future. So that was fun getting to talk about Back to the Future with Dan for ten minutes. Although I think I just rabbited on, like I just yeah. couldn't stop talking because <laughs> yeah. I like it because of this, because of that, because of this. What was your criteria? Because like when I did my one for games, yeah. I I found coming up with ten games not too difficult, but then ranking them, it was like, yeah. ooh, this is a bit of a tricky one. Uh, yeah, the ranking. I mean, it doesn't matter the, that much. But the you rankings, know. yeah, it was pretty vague. Like uh, it was just I was trying to. Yeah, there, uh, there was no reason for really the ranking. I knew Back to the Future would be at number one. I knew Godfather would be near the top. Um, mm. But then yeah, I changed it. I've never had these two horror films on my top ten list until just. This I did this one, Which one, The Wicker Man and Don't Look Now. Oh wow! And they're just quite. 
Because I wanted to put oh, films don't that don't look uh, Nicholas Rowe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to. Uh, I did a written piece on that. And did it you? Just, I ended up watching it so many times. Did you? Such a weird. So you can probably tell film. me about it. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know a terrifying amount about that. And film. such a horrible ending. Oh yeah, man, it's just strange. devastating. But um, I put films on it that mean a lot to me. So like, yeah. Swingers was my number ten, and I don't think that's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But just the way I've revisited it in different periods of my life, and it's meant different things. Mm. And it was a chance to talk about yourself a bit, which we never do on IG. And you know, yeah. I try and make it all really subjective. What writing reviews and features and things. But for once, you could get a bit personal mm. and talk about your fam. I've talked about my family a bit and watching ET, and like the power of ET, I think is brought home by my memories of how it affected my brother. Because I was maybe five and my brother was four, and we went to the cinema to see it. And my brother, it upset my brother and made him cry so much because he was so sad that we had to leave the cinema and go home. Really? But then. He, he he couldn't stop crying when he thought about it and he missed E.T. and he wanted to see it again and so he cried until we took him back to the cinema oh and it was like this vicious circle that would upset him so much but yet he needed to see it again. That's full scale trauma. And that's the genius of Spielberg though that he can yeah. make you feel that. Like it is... There's moments of E.T. that are absolute misery. Yeah. They've made you feel horrible. It but yet you, you put yourself through it because you know you want to be part of it and you know what's coming. I remember watching it as a kid and I, it really upset me. When and you think he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because really I'm imagining you like on a bike with your brother in the basket <laughs> yeah. in the front racing to the cinema. Desperately trying to the get moon. there. <laughs> don't worry, don't we'll worry. stop you crying, it'll be okay. <laughs> I did. I did actually do. I did dress up as as um, as ET. As, what with the blanket, <laughs> yeah. red riding hood. Uh, I, I dressed up. I, I got some, made some handlebars, put on a red hoodie, yeah. and then got a cardboard cutout of, of ET and put it in a little basket and just walked around like that. Oh, uh, for fancy like dress a, oh, for Halloween okay, yeah. costume. That's really good. I looked awesome. That yeah. is. That's a great costume. How old were you then? This was about. I was at IG. I was working at IG. <laughs> yeah. It was about five years ago. <laughs> was worth checking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's go on to the news. Uh, yes. Luke, should we start with your news first because I've been talking too much? Yes. Okay. Sure. Um, so Grand Theft Auto Online is finally getting heists. Yay! Something that we've been talking about since Grand Theft Auto Online launched. Uh, God, like God, September before this one. Yeah. Which makes me feel. It's like been I've... pushed. It's been pushed back like a number. Yeah. Of times so they now, just kept saying they were going to come. So for those not the know, heists are a very successful part of the of the solo game where basically you take you have to plan it out, select lots of different ways to how you're going to pull off this job. So whether it's mm-hmm. an elaborate robbery or freeing someone from a prison or something like that. Um, and they were meant to be in the online multiplayer mode and they just hadn't really turned up and we hadn't heard anything about them. That we were just constantly told they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Anyway, we finally got a trailer, some screenshots um, and news that they will arrive at some stage in early 2015. Um, Rockstar won't be put, uh, like pinned down because, you know, they're not going to release them before they're ready. There's exactly, quite yeah. a lot of pressure at this stage. Um, but some of the interesting stuff we got, because we got to do um, an interview with Rockstar. And so... Apparently, it's going to launch with uh, five unique strands, so five different heists. Then within them, there's going to be 20 missions. Sub-heists. Yeah, yeah so it's kind of like the prep mission where you have to go and get a getaway car and scout out the building. And then the other one where you actually have to you know, pull it off. And then another one where you get away. So 20 hours of gameplay. Um, but just how intricate it, sa- it sounds and thinking about it, the stuff that you don't think about. Like when you play a game and you're controlling three characters, you've got... The one who's the getaway driver, when you're controlling the one in the vault, you know, you don't have to worry about what he's doing. But in actual fact, if he's just there sitting in the car twiddling his thumbs, really <laughs> well, this boring. Is, this is it so, as well. Because I mean, when you're playing on the online story, mm. obviously you're with uh, computer players and you can control like every aspect of it. So, I mean, very recently I've been playing uh, a lot of Grand Theft Auto, uh, especially online. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, 
And I, it's it's funny to imagine that this level of teamwork could exist successfully in a game because I mean I'll join a lobby and I'm like oh this is gonna be so much fun and then it's like <laughs> someone's placed a five thousand bounty on your head yeah. and then people just shooting you down like it's chaos in these worlds so that same thing maybe you like rob a bank and then you get out and you're like go 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 and then the the guy in Australia is eating a bowl of Cheerios in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. and you're just sitting there outside the bank and you're like what are you doing I think so, it sounds um, really exciting because what it, communication sounds key so I don't know how they're going to do that because exactly. we it's weird it doesn't say if there's going to be voice chat support or anything like that um but it does sound really interesting and there's lots of different things so uh if you're the heist leader you get to make slightly more decisions you have to set up a high-end apartment so you have to have the money for that and you have to put all the money up front um, oh and goodness. then you don't get paid throughout the heist so as a house leader, you need to make sure that everything goes smoothly. But if you're just kind of a crew member, you get paid incrementally as it goes on. It just sounds like a system they've really thought through. And you it can sounds understand really why cool. it's taking them. Yeah. And if anyone, it's Rockstar, they will be able to pull it yeah. off to make it work. And it very much sounds like this is the start of it. Like, there will be more. So Exactly. I just bought a house in that game. It's uh. a very nice house. It's up, it's up in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> when you were like, I it's just bought a house in this game. <laughs> like, I was like, in this game. It was really lame as well because I bought the house... And uh, I was playing online with my sister, and I was like, let's celebrate, like, come on over to see the house. So she came over in the game, and we were like, let's have some drinks, because you can drink in the game as well. Uh, and you can drink, there was whiskey in my kitchen, so I was drinking whiskey. Mm. The more you drink, your screen Blurs, goes right? weird yeah. and blurry, and you walk funny and things like that. So I was like, let's see how far I can take this and see how drunk I can get. I drank so much that I died. Oh my I, god. I put back one Rory. last whiskey and then I just went limp and died in my kitchen. And it was just my sister standing there. Sister just standing like, over crying. your dead body. Exactly, yeah. That's so, really sad. That's quite sad. Isn't you know, it? she gets the house, right? In the world. So it's okay, yeah, yeah you know. It's all and good. the bounty, apparently, that was on my head. So. Yeah. Because I was going to say, you should drink in real life what you're drinking there and see how that happens but then don't, don't do that yeah so you, don't, should, you should stop don't do that that's a bad idea because yeah. <laughs> i did gta online when it came out and it was a bit rough around the edges but by all accounts it sounds like i'm gonna have to jump back in it's so. great now especially because uh you know you can transfer your accounts over from yes. the previous generation so there's a lot of people playing the worlds are very busy i think they support up to 30 players now yeah. in one world so it's crazy it's really really fun yeah now i'll have to give it a go especially with my penchant for mmos Sounds amazing. Uh, I'm going to talk about a less joyous story now, yes. but it's one we can't ignore. And to be honest, we've, we're recording this like 24 hours before it goes live. It might have changed between now and then because yeah. it's, it's on, constantly ongoing. But obviously everyone knows now about the Sony hack and what's been happening there. And it's kind of been tied in with, well, the media's tied it in and, and it looks like it might be tied in with uh, the release of this movie, The Interview, the Seth Rogen, um, James Franco movie about North Korea, like a, a comedy that... North Korea has apparently not taken too well. And so um, I'll just go through kind of the timeline of the last three days because it's been it's been pretty wacky, but it's kind of escalated fast. Um, it started out with a statement made by the people claiming to have done the hack. Um, and the statement said, we will clearly show it to you at the very time and places the interview be shown, including the premiere, how bitter fate those who seek fun in terror should be doomed to. Soon all the world will see what an awful movie Sony Pictures Entertainment has made. Uh, the world will be full of fear. Remember the 11th of September 2001. We recommend you keep yourself distant from the places at that time. If your house is nearby, you'd better leave. Whatever comes in the coming days is called by the greed of Sony Pictures Entertainment. All the world will denounce uh, the Sony. So that was the statement that was put out. Um, we were told that, um, that there was no credible intelligence to indicate that there was an active plot yeah. happening. And so kind of uh, 
the US Department of Homeland Security said not to worry about it. But then, understandably, the theatre chain started getting worried. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday of this week, um, it started off with uh, Carmike Cinemas and Bowtie Cinemas pulling the film. Um, Landmark Theatres cancelled the premiere that was going to happen in uh, New York City this mm-hmm. week. Um, the National Association of Theatre Owners then released a statement basically saying it was up to the theatre owners if they wanted to pull the film, but they would understand. Yeah. Uh, following that, Regal Cinemas, Cinemark, Cineplex and AMC dropped the movie. See, they're the big chains. They're right? the big chains, yeah, which meant effectively that no one was going to be able to see it. Um, and then, uh, understandably, uh, some of the other studio owners were getting annoyed, movie studios, that their films were going to be in the cinemas that week, the same week, and that people just wouldn't be going to the cinemas. Yeah. So, uh, finally, Sony um, cancelled the release of the movie. Mm. So, the movie's due out on Christmas Day in America. Yeah. And uh, initially, they were saying they were going to release it VOD instead. That was kind of the rumours. But they released a statement saying in light of the decision by the majority of our exhibitors not to show the film we decided not to move forward the planned December 25th to theatrical release we respect and understand our partners decisions and of course completely share their paramount interest in the safety of employees and theatre goers uh, they then go on to talk about the hack and just how really sad and awful it's been for the company yeah and for freedom of expression and you know they say they stand by the filmmakers and then finally kind of the latest statement was that um there looks like there's no plans to release it on DVD or VOD. That was this early this morning. As well, yeah, so. it's going to be tricky, isn't it, to get it on VOD? Because it's the second, you know, if Netflix was to say, yeah, no, we'll host it, right? They then become the next target. It's going to get out eventually. Yeah. It's going to get out there. And, and because of all this attention, you just know that it's going to travel like wild. Yeah, everyone now wants to see it. I had no interest in seeing it no, before. Like, really? Yeah, 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 now yeah. I'm a bit like just curiosity, but... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an amazing amount of publicity this film's getting. I, I always talk about it. my mum's not into movies, and I yeah. always think about it in terms of well, my mum will know this film now. Yeah. She'll know she'll know who Seth Rogen is by this point. Mm. And like, yeah. but I mean, equally, this is a forty million dollar plus movie. I guess maybe double that if you include all the kind of advertising they would have done and pre-promotion like I interviewed Seth Rogen two weeks ago over the phone about it yeah I mean that all kind of goes to pot now it's not coming out on the on the planet so many repercussions just Mm. you know from this one thing and it's just really depressing it's really depressing I mean I'll tell you one one repercussion that that happened today is that another film that was about to go into production has been cancelled so it's a Steve Carell movie called uh, Pyongyang uh, based on a graphic novel um, paranoid thriller about Western experiences in North Korea. Gore Verbinski, massive director, was going to direct to shoot in March. Uh, that's been dropped. Mm. That's no longer happening. Uh, it sounds like the FBI have connected North Korea directly to the cyber attacks, even though they've denied it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I guess we, we've no word from Sony over here what's going to happen with the film. I guess um, I'll try and find that out yeah. after we do this podcast. But it's just a really miserable thing to happen. It's it's not it's not great for anyone involved, especially for there's so many departments of Sony that are affected by this. And as you said, it's not just the release of the film; it's other films that are out in the cinema at the yeah. same time. And it's it's really difficult for for Sony being put in this position where it's you, you can't really win either way. Either you don't, and people are going to complain, yeah. or you you do show the films and you risk this threat. And then if anything does you know come to fruition, then you are absolutely to blame. And yeah, yeah. it's a horrible situation to be in for them as a company. I remember when um, Four Lions. Have you seen Four Lions? Yeah, it's a great, it's great the movie. Chris Morris one with yeah. um, the terrorists, kind of satire of, of the Taliban, pretty at the much. London at the London Marathon. Yeah, and it's a very, very funny movie. But there was a similar thing happened there, where in the states, uh, 
they were kind they kind of said if anyone picks up this movie for distribution you know you're in mm. trouble we're gonna we're gonna hunt you down and so no one picked it up and a friend of mine tim leake who runs the alamo draft house cinemas over there in fantastic fest uh he literally set up a film label so he could buy the film and release it and they went he went on tour around the cinemas of america with chris morris the writer director doing q a's and and screening the film which was great and there nothing happened nothing no. happened and, yeah. and like i say the department of homeland security said nothing will happen in this instance but i guess you know people people's safety is paramount but it just yeah. i don't know it puts out a worrying message that you can do just it complain and then you know you'll get a change if it, you don't like agree yeah. with something then it's, it's fine. tricky because i mean i i kind of see the point it's just you know, if they'd gone for a fictitious dictator, there wouldn't have been the issue, would there? Well, this is it. As soon as I... Uh, because I mean, once they said King Jong... months back when I heard about the premise of the film, yeah. I understood. And they were like, they're going to be sent to assassinate... Um, Kim Jong. Exactly. Kim and Jong immediately Un. at that Un. point... You know, but I think it was even before they started shooting, I was like, this is not going to... There's going to be I mean, some... The problem is, you, talk, you listen to any kind of political commentators and stuff talking about North Korea, and this is all getting very serious now. It is. But the one, but the one thing they do say is that yeah, and especially since Kim Jong-un's come to power, he wants to be viewed as serious. He's a serious guy. He wants people to take him seriously. He wants the world to take him seriously. And no one has. That's what the escalations about the missiles are and everything. And so to make a comedy film about assassinating him in particular, I mean, you know, you can do what you want, but it's just a bit like, if it would have, would it have killed them to make a fictitious But I think land? it's important to make satires of this kind of subject. It's yeah, terrifying no, what he's true. up to. And, and, and I think the best way to take these people down a peg or two is through humour. But yeah. it's, and you know, we're giving in to the terrorist demands and it's like, oh man, it's, it's, it's just a horrible situation. And I, I, I'm interested to see how, how it pans out from here mm. on in. I want to, see, like you said, I want to see the film. Yeah. We gave it a positive review. Yeah. I mean, above all, it just sounds like it's quite a silly film. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, like, Rogan and Franco, like, you know, it's going to be stupid. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's yeah. going to, there's going to be elements of satire, but it's just going to be ridiculous. Like, you know, the setting's kind of secondary to, 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 to them. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's just going to be like a Seth Rogen film. It's going yeah. to be a light comedy. You know. So anyway, more news on that one as and when it breaks, because mm-hmm. this is this is just um, an ongoing story. But Rory, I think you got something a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Yes, much more lighthearted. Orlando Bloom uh, has talked about Pirates Five maybe being a soft reboot for the franchise. Yeah. Mm. So and this was in a this was in an interview, wasn't it? With this was a junket, yeah, for yeah. The Hobbit. Hobbit. This is yeah an IGN exclusive, as it How were. Exciting. When we were talking to him about the Hobbit, yeah, yeah. So what 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 was it he said exactly? So got the quote. Um, the exact quote was he said that they wanted to try and do. Um, he he basically said, um, I think they sort of want to reboot it. Um, and he then went on to kind of say that they were going to um, explore him as Davy Jones and yep. his relationship with his son. Okay. Um, so because obviously he's spending however long underneath the ocean and can only set foot on land what one day every ten years or something like that. So it'll right. be all barnacled and yeah, and and obviously you can't really take your son. Under the wave, that kind of stuff is frowned upon. So I'm <laughs> I hope just you, you don't try that one. Just day, saying. Uh, I um, think this was talked about on a previous uh, podcast recently. But are, mm. are you guys excited about Pirates Five? I I'm a little biased because um I I love pirates. I love you know all that kind of like pirate lore, pirate history, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I used okay. to love it when I was a kid. And the the first and second uh, and even third Pirates of the Caribbean film, you know, meant a lot to me when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and I really, really enjoyed them. I have kind of fallen out of love, so maybe this is the kind of thing that they're. Do- maybe this soft reboot will be is that initiative to kind of regain some of that audience. Did you that, see? That the, uh, did you films. see four? I didn't see four. So no. I tried to watch four on Netflix. I was doing some cooking, uh, like about 
about two months ago, like the first cool. and last That's time irrelevant. I've ever, I was going to say the first and last time <laughs> I'm ever doing that. And then it was, um, it basically, I, I just couldn't get into it. And I yeah. don't know what it was, but I, I have, it seems that actually Keira Knightley and Orlando Bloom serve as really, really good foils for um, Johnny Depp. And the mere fact that they didn't have someone with quite the same chemistry or they didn't have that dynamic, it just didn't quite click for me and it just mm. all became a little bit too ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So the idea, because so it is important to say that he did say in this interview, he's like, um, talk is still ongoing. He's still interested in it, Yeah. Um, but he hasn't signed on the dotted line. Yeah. Um, I think if he came back, it could really re-interest me in it. But at the moment, I'm just a little bit... Mm, I'm not sold on it. It's quite interesting, the directors they've got. They've got a couple of guys who are quite new to the directing scene. They made a movie called Contiki, which is out in the UK this week, actually. And um, I still am yet to see it, but I really want to. It's an action film set on a raft on the Pacific. That's pretty much the whole movie. Oh, I think I saw about this, or at least saw a trailer or something. Yeah, and uh, so it's really interesting that they've got a new vibe. Apparently the action in it's incredible, even though they did it on quite a low budget. So it'll be interesting to see people with kind of a new... Because I think, did Gore Verbinski direct all of them? I think so. Uh, no, I think it was maybe Rob Marshall did the fourth one. But I, th- I feel the like it three. needs something, a, a new yeah. viewpoint, a new kind of approach to make that one work. Well, this could be it. Yeah. Hopefully, this is hopefully what they're going for. Mm. for I mean, number five. looking at this, so the stuff we've heard before is that, um, so we know Johnny Depp is back, but we've also heard Jeffrey Rush will come back as Barbosa, and he's meant to be teaming up with a new villain called Captain Brand, who's a ghost bent on revenge against Sparrow, who he blames for the murder of his brother. And then that villain is allegedly the front runner for that is uh, Javier Bardem, and following up behind him is Christoph Waltz. Right. Yeah, well, Javier Bardem, his wife was in Penelope the last. Pirates movie. Yeah. Don't know if she'll be back, yeah. but yeah. So Cool. All right. Well, enough Pirates talk, because I don't like any of those films, apart from the first one. <laughs> so. Three was long. Like, three was it really was, long. Was long. Yeah. Right. Christmas is around the corner, and we have uh, quite a lovely uh, email from uh, Jamie Morales Navarez. Jamie Morales, he calls himself here. And he says, uh, Duck Hunt, I just wonder what all your favourite Christmas movie moments are. I always get stick for calling Die Hard a Christmas movie, but I love the moment the vault opens to Ode to Joy, which is a brilliant moment. Yeah. It is a Christmas movie. Of course it's a Christmas movie. Um, so let's talk about our favourite Christmas movie moments. Not Christmas movies, but moments within. Moments, um, okay. I mean, I'll kick off with one from Die Hard. I love it when it, he's ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. I think that's a really, it's a really dark, horrible, funny bit, but it just perfectly sums up John McClane. Yeah. You know, he's just really winding these guys up. He's not just taking them out, he's winding them up before he does it. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny moment in maybe the greatest Christmas movie. So yeah, another diehard one, Jamie. I'm with you on that one. Rory? Rory? I love um, Jingle All The Way. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger's a Christmas film. Yeah. It is just incredible. So uh, there's one amazing line where he's... Of, if you've both seen the film. Yeah. yeah. He's out searching for the, the Turbo Man doll to get for his son. And uh, the neighbor, who is essentially uh, a frisky Ned Flanders, yeah. is back, <laughs> home, he's back yeah. home flirting with his wife. Um, and he's baking cookie or eating the cookies the wife has made. Yeah. And there's one point where uh, Arnold goes... Put that cookie down <laughs> now! And he screams, and then of course everyone is, is staring at him. Around. I just, I love that whole film. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Wow, it's I'm just taking. Life. While you were out of the room, I was saying to Luke, I'm taking a whole lot of abuse for saying on Twitter just now that Jingle All the Way is the worst Christmas movie. What? <laughs> yeah, and, and and a load of Chris, people, no. a load of people are tweeting me back. Put down the cookie as well. <laughs> yes, um, that's right. There nice. you go. 
but hey, it's your you know the problem, we're not Rory. we're not here Part to we're not here to I'm not here fantastic. to judge. Yeah. It's great that we've all got different opinions. I mean, it's really loud and obnoxious and uh, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> but then so's Rory. Um, yeah, there you go. So, so Rory's perfectly. Uh, I would say Love Actually. Now, I, I really like the a moment in Love Actually. Just one moment in particular. So the Rowan Atkinson bit is quite silly, but generally, I actually think. Um, that moment that everyone knows, that em- the moment where Emma Thompson gets the gift and unwraps it, and it's the CD rather than the necklace that Alan Rickman's bought for yeah. the hussy. Yeah, and um, the hussy, the hussy, <laughs> and it just your hell. your heart breaks, and it's mm. ju- she just kind of you know she's trying to hold it together. She's like, wow, it's Joni Mitchell, thank you. Who <laughs> in herself, like Joni Mitchell's the most depressing music you can get as well, and um, I I just. I think that really cuts through all the pomp and ceremony of the rest of the kind of movie. And it's just yeah. like, in actual fact, it's Christmas. But it's like that line in Friends where they're like, even though it's Christmas, people still die. It's like, <laughs> even though it's Christmas, it, you can still be really miserable. Like, and it can be quite awful. And that's your favourite Christmas Wow, moment. that's no, a, no, no, that's no, no, a, like, that's a lovely moment. Hot, you know, machine no, guns I, and you can <laughs> death. No, I'm gets, the only one that picked cookies. It gets better. It, it, it gets better. It gets better. Austrian. Um, no, sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to get black for that yeah, now. There you go. <laughs> it, does get, it does get better. But um, I just thought that that was a nice one to start off with just because it's... Um, it's one of the more real kind of Christmas moments. Yeah. I, I think everyone feels a lot of pressure at Christmas to be happy and jolly, whereas that's a bit more like, that's one of the things that makes that film quite good. It can be quite... I don't know difficult. if I want to continue if we've picked Love Actually and Jingle all the way. No, no, it's I feel fine. A I, bit, get... I feel a bit sick. No, I get, um, <laughs> I get back. But let, let's go around the same. Okay, okay. Uh, so I've had that one. I'm going to say, um, I love Elf. Yeah, I love okay. Elf. From the, I saw an early preview of it. It was a Sunday morning. I was really hungover and I was surrounded by children making noise and it was like a nightmare. Hell, yeah. And uh, thank God the film was good. Yeah. I, I really good because the kid next to me doesn't know how close he came to me <laughs> vomiting on him <laughs> during that movie. Uh, uh, but I, I feel like it's kind of a Pixar movie brought to life in yeah. that it's kind of, it's got something for adults, it's got something for kids. It, it works on a bunch of levels and it's genuinely funny. And I really like the bit where he recognises Santa. Yeah. And he gets oh, so excited because it's that childlike excitement you would get when you see Santa. Yeah. And w- I think Will Ferrell's at his best when he's kind of playing innocent, dim kind of innocent yeah. characters. Absolutely. And yeah, I just think that that's, that scene really makes me laugh. Yeah. They, they really nailed it because I think it's difficult to make specifically a Christmas film, like to make a Christmas film in this day and age that becomes a tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it already has yeah, every Christmas. Because the first, you know, I, I was working for a magazine. We did a feature on it. There wasn't a lot of interest. It wasn't a big hit. We, we talked it up a lot where I worked. And then, I don't know, I didn't hear much about it for about five years. And then it, it's, I think maybe Channel 4 had the rights to it and were playing yeah. every year here and it just became a thing where you would you would notice on Twitter suddenly everyone was talking about and it at the same time. lines like um, people saying like um, oh I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like <laughs> That's like but also I don't know of anything to do with a Zoe Deschanel's kind of star in The Ascendant because back then no one really knew who she was and yeah. now she's kind of what was new girl and yeah now new girl and also she did she did yes man and yeah when she when she sing sings that duet with him and when she's taking a shower it's kind of weird it is but your heart kind of melts because her voice is so lovely because her voice is and it's so like jazzy and like judy garland yeah so like um that's i also had elf and i had like just Zoe and elf singing okay well yeah that would that would that's a really good one yeah rory 
So my next one is, and I'm interested to see what you think of this. Uh oh, yeah. No judgment here uh, <laughs> anymore. Muppet Christmas Carol. Very good, good very film. good. Yes. Very good. One right, of the best Christmas Carol adaptations, I think. Absolutely. Yes. yes. We uh, we kind of have a tradition in my house where we watch it on every Christmas Eve. Yeah. So it's like you know the thing we do before we go to bed, uh-huh. and just that opening that opening number about Ebenezer Scrooge, and it kind of just shows you the magic of this town filled with Muppets and all yeah. the uh, the marketplace, the bustling marketplace. It's just incredible, and the the design and the artwork and the music is just, yeah. I absolutely it's, love it's it so magical. Much. Like mm. Christmas is is supposed to be magical, and that captures it. I think completely. Yeah. yeah. So that is hands down one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. A little nicer than Put the Cookie Down. Yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, mine... So, my next one is... Uh, I don't know if it's a bit of a weird one, but kind of like you guys watch it every Christmas Eve. Yeah. Family. I always watch this every Christmas Eve. Um, and it's the Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. and it's you stole my third one. There you go. Oh, and it's and it's that song. It's you know what's this? What's this? Yeah, and like, and it's just kind of again that childlike excitement where yeah. you're just kind of and he's misinterpreting everything, but you're like, this is amazing. It's just um, and I remember the first time I saw it because I was kind of interested in the whole uh, macabre stuff about it when I first mm. saw yeah. it, and then. I I just think it marries the two so beautifully, and so yeah, no, that was that was my next one. Well, that film is fantastic because it is like a double barrel film. So I watch mm. it every Halloween, yes. but I also watch it every Christmas. Yeah, yeah I'm right. So torn, I don't know yeah, which one. And then the it's summer like, months, no, on the shelf, it's gone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, uh, that's a great. Well, what what scene would you pick from that one then? Sorry, I'm just checking um, Well, if it's Christmas related, then I definitely would pick the the Christmas one. Yeah, but even God, even that film is grim. Yeah, it is. The, the conclusion to that. Yeah, the, no, that I I. There's always a temptation that I have to kind of switch it off before we get to the end because it kind of goes a little bit wrong, um, yeah. like where he's kind of going on a bit of a rampage. But um, they should just have him like leave on the sleigh and then like fade to credits. Yeah, that, that's like, what I'm gonna do. Christmas, and yeah. make a little PG stop. version. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's, that's yeah. the way to do it. Has anyone else got the entire finale to Home Alone? Which one? One or two? One. I have two because that was it was so we've t- I think we talked about this a year we've ago we've argued about this if before. I'm honest with you because I think two is, is a good movie I mean it's a remake essentially but <laughs> it was because the first one it was just you'd never seen anything like it before yeah. and I was at the right age when did it come out Nin- early 90s wasn't it yeah yeah I was, I was about the same age as Kevin yeah and so it was just amazing watching this kid get one over on all these these adults yeah and man it's so funny like it's you look back at it it's so evil you'd never get it made he's you? psychotic no. that kid is. yeah he really but is but man it's funny when you're watching it and i think it helps because of joe pesci and daniel stern being such funny act such good actors and such brilliant physical comedians Perfect, in it yeah so yeah go on do home alone two yeah then, so because... two i was gonna do so in terms of like an actual christmas moment that moment where he's standing in front of the of the tree is obviously amazing but and also the toy shop um, is great. Oh yeah. Uh, I also like love the Plaza Hotel just because. So I can't. One of my things that I've always wanted to do is go to New York at Christmas and go to the Plaza Hotel just to see it all decorated. Yeah. Because um, I, I again I think that's brilliant. But yeah, that psychotic moment like in two, it's when he's on the roof and he's throwing the bricks down and it hits Daniel Stern in the head and just the sound effect is yeah. just such a. You, it's like it is bone on stone yeah. it's like bone bang. on stone and um it's and it's so so harsh um well, it's, it's funny because it's making like comical of something that could easily kill should, a man he should yeah. be dead Wait, it's, exactly it's, it's, a, it's a tom and jerry cartoon brought to life yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely uh, but i watched it with someone who didn't speak any english last year yeah that just the last half hour and you, you don't need any words in that movie no. really uh, it was I mean, it's pretty much the biggest comedy of all time when it came out. Mm. The first one was. It was and it is. It's funny all the way through. And then it's really funny. And again, it's a bit obnoxious. I don't yeah. like obnoxious. But 
We're um, having that one. Any- I used to set Home Alone traps in my house all the time after seeing that film. For your, and that's how your, your traps father and died. Things like that. <laughs> any more, yeah, Rory? Tripped up on crushed <laughs> yeah. Christmas decorations. We're going to keep going on these till we run out. Have yeah. you got any more, Rory? Got- yes, I do actually okay. have one. What's um, up next? Oh, yeah. he's, he's, uh, the coffee's kicking in. I'm halfway through this one. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's a wonderful life. I really, really like that film. I a find Christmas it a bit, classic. I, I do find oh. it a bit bleak. That's Which scene? The obligatory, uh, obligatory black and white, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, well, I, it was in my top ten. It was actually in my top yeah. ten. I actually really enjoy the whole sequence of when he actually uh, doesn't exist and no one recognizes him. Because as a kid, that I was terrified that that yeah. was going to happen to me one day when I woke up. Uh, that I would yeah. like, go downstairs and no one would know who I was. Yeah. So I thought that was really exciting. And in that, like... Christmas setting, all the snow coming down. And yeah. mm. It's pretty bleak as well, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, it always just kind of sticks with me in the Christmas film. Yeah. Well, that's what I said in my in my write-up where I put it on my list. That it's funny, it's clever film in that it's two hours of relentless misery with ten minutes of happiness and joy at the end. Yeah. And yet, it's in a weird way, you only really remember the joy. Like, it's it seems like you just remember it being a happy film and... and and it's not at all. It's really, it's really sad. It just is like a decline. It just gets bleaker and bleaker yeah. until there's uh, just this happy little payoff. Yeah. There, so right? for me, it's the ending. It's when he's he's running through the town, you know, oh, and yeah, waving at everyone, yeah, exactly. and it's just. So I mean, I saw it makes that, me cry. I saw that for the first time when I used to work in an independent cinema. So I actually saw it on oh, wow. on, on a screen. Cool. Um, and obviously, I had no idea what was coming at the end. I was because you, you, I've heard bits of it, and I was like, this is so depressing. And we were kind of allowed to. It was Christmas. We were allowed to help ourselves to alcohol. So I was just happily drinking my way. Through, through the pain bad there. idea like, do not sync up your and, alcoholism and then, at the end, and then at the end it's like there's the happy bit and of course I'm like oh god and just start crying <laughs> so yeah that was it does, it does make me well up though the yeah. ending yeah oh, I think it's a I don't need help film. it's a lovely film and god I, I I fear that someone's gonna remake it one day and it would just there's be there's been mutterings about that I swear yeah it's, it would just be even they, they did a colorized version of it and it just doesn't look right yeah um Luke I like the um I like Polo Express. I think that's actually the end is well. The, you know what's not more? What isn't more Christmassy than cold, dead eyes of animated <laughs> characters that don't look right? <laughs> that really is the joy of Christmas. Well, is it, I was staring just into say, the bleakness and the with, nothing. With Tom Hanks, that looks slight, like something's gone wrong somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I liked um, Polo Express. The tra- the bit on the tra- when they first get on the train and you know they're all getting uh, like hot like cocoa type stuff. I yeah. was like, that just feels quite Christmassy, and they're all in their pajamas, and then you just have one old man with a bit of a dodgy moustache and in hindsight now looking back I'm like that's a questionable <laughs> questionable <laughs> setup but um, like at the time I thought that was quite I've, sweet yeah I've never watched it it, it was it was kind of a hit at the time it got some pretty bad yeah. reviews mainly because mm. of the, the appearance of like the human characters but it's really become quite um but quite a following it still it's, comes it's on, released it? it's like released Christmas. every year in cinemas it's re-released in mm. IMAX and stuff and it makes money like that's one that's just kind of motoring on in the way that I think uh, Frozen will be yeah. one that's going to be released every year from here on in die. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and, and that re-releasing thing is something that doesn't really happen it used to happen when I was a kid you'd get E.T. was released like four years in a row but now it doesn't seem to happen but with, with um, Polar Express and now I think with Frozen it's a big thing I think it's happening well it's especially happening with, with Christmas films because obviously you know Everyone gets into the, the festive yeah. spirit and things like that, so it's popular to really re-release these films. Be interesting to see because I mean, it does happen a little bit for Halloween. You know, yeah. when Halloween's coming around, and mm. some cinemas will show or like have events where they'll show like horror films and things yeah, like all that. Yeah, all the films. But yeah, it is definitely happening a lot more these days. We will see Christmas films yeah. kind of reintroduced to the cinema. Mm. And I mean, I I I actually saw that film three times in the cinema as a child. 
mm-hmm. due to poorly planned field trips and family trips and things like that. And I could not tell you a thing about it. No, really. It did not stick with me at all. Yeah, yeah. Did I know there's a there's a train. I know Tom Hanks is there. Yeah. There you, there's is there some sort of present mountain at some there point? There is some there sort is. of present mountain. That's telling, though. That's oh, yeah. interesting. It, it is. It absolutely is. And maybe that's Rory why has I've an never, awful memory. Yes. <laughs> maybe that's why I've never really sought it out, because yeah. maybe I just feel like I'm too old at this point Again, as I saw well. this when I was in the cinema, like working at that cinema, so. Yeah, yeah. What about the uh, story about the father in Gremlins? No, that's controversial. Yeah, because... Well, I watched that film as a kid, and it, that film scared me a little bit as yeah. a kid, and I remember my parents didn't like it very much. They didn't like me watching it, but you, I did watch it. And there was this, this you know, the the girl in it, played by Phoebe Cates, tells this horrendous story, like, the most horrific story you can tell about how her father died. And I remember I would literally forward wine through it when I was a kid because it upset me and scared me so much. Yeah. But now as an adult and I watch it, it's really, really friggin' funny. <laughs> like, it's a joke. Like, it's a black joke. It's, a, it's black comedy that I didn't get at the time. But yeah. now, you know, you watch Joe Dante's movies and, and the, the way it's delivered, the way it's so relentlessly just the worst thing you could imagine in this fun Christmas horror movie. And I, I love it. And I... I piss myself when I watch it so I think that's a really good scene now one that I really hated as a child yeah you're not a fan Luke I do I do like it so I saw Gremlins when I was far too young to see it and again I think uh, I, I think a babysitter showed it to me under the idea oh well of course this is going to be it's a fun Christmas movie yeah and all Spielberg. I got was Gremlins <laughs> like these cute little fluffy things that look like my cuddly toys yeah could at any moment burst Come into like these creatures that want to kill yeah, me the, mog- like, the mogwai yeah it's so, it's a brilliant movie, but it's, yeah. it, I think it, it didn't mess with a lot of kids' childhoods because a lot of children were exposed to it, maybe younger than they should have been. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I need to revisit it because it, it's nasty. It's a nasty film. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's worth revisiting. It's it's a really good Christmas, and, it, and it, it's got that sense of, of wonder of Christmas as well. It's set in small town America, you know, the kind of the same small town that. Um, it's a wonderful life is set in pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That and close community. Yeah, and it's there's yeah. something. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a magical movie. But I remember, yeah, my dad didn't like it. He didn't like it at the ending when the gremlins weren't blamed for it. They blamed it on people writing or something. He didn't like that. <laughs> he didn't like that. Why haven't they? Why haven't they got the blame? It's all about responsibility. Uh, any more? For any more? <laughs> yeah, I actually have. Come on, Rory. Keep it. Let's keep it going. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. Which the one? original. The original. Course. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, at the moment at the end when. Um, the, the girl spots the house that she asked Santa for and then she runs inside and then the parents are like, oh no, this isn't right, this isn't right and then they find the, uh, they find the, what do they find? Is it crutch? It's been a while since I've I seen it. I don't remember. They, fi- mm. they find uh, some item that is the indication that it actually yeah. was Santa Claus who got them the house and I love that moment as a kid because that's right at the end and it's just Sp- fantastic. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Oh God, yeah. No, uh, uh, it's, it's a great movie but to be fair, I think the remake is pretty good. I think the casting of Richard Attenborough uh, as Santa Claus works, uh, the girl, the girl, and it's adorable. Oh, it's Shirley Temple in the original, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're both great movies, but no, I agree. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't think it gets enough as much attention as maybe it should, especially because there's been a remake that was popular. But it, it's it's up there with It's a Wonderful Life in terms of a real sweet, lovely classic. And that whole moment, the uh, the whole scene in the courtroom with the letters to Santa Claus, yeah, it's just it's iconic. Yeah, it's the same with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. The whole you know, yeah. Christmas, no one knows who you are. That sort of thing. And, like- and I feel like Jingle All the Way a little bit. It's kind of it's 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 kind of wrapped up in the marketing of Christmas and the, you know the, it kind of has a go at all that side of things, but it also kind of celebrates it a little bit. And you know I think the second half of Santa Claus the movie is a bit like that, or is the first half really good? But but Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. It talks about the kind of the way it's become just a marketing tool for for shops. Yeah. 
but at the same time it, it it's kind of it cuts through that in a really sweet way that i think absolutely yeah, yeah where it's you know what the the whole kind of moral conclusion is that it's not the actual toy that mattered it was yeah. spending time with the dad and that's quite a nice conclusion yeah. to the film wrapped in this comical commercial sense yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely uh luke i liked uh how the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one, I don't actually mind. I find oh it... Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you. You'd have to sit on the naughty step for that because that's that, another everyone. loud, obnoxious... Just It's like someone shouting in my face for 90 minutes. So, I, I, I couldn't get into it. I don't well, think I watched the whole thing. So I disagree because for a start, there's... The, the fact that the entire script rhymes, I actually find quite soothing. Um, I also... <laughs> just, put it on when you're going to bed. Just thing. I'm just, like, ah. Um, also, I do find Jim Carrey in a lot of his world is... A totally OTT but I think he dials it back slightly for this maybe because the prosthetics restrain his face um, <laughs> and um, Jim Carrey dials it back in the Grinch that's a massive shout <laughs> That's quite a claim, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's such an understated performance. I just know, I don't mean that. The, like, oh, the I, film where he moves five body parts every other I'm, word. I'm, I'm getting this. <laughs> I'm not being interpreting myself right. But um, it's at the moment I'm choosing anyway. I also like the aesthetics. I think it looks very Christmassy. It's very stylized, And like, you know, yeah. the, um, like the, the square they kind of have. Um, I really like it. And um, yeah, no, the, the moment is when uh, Cindy Lou Who meets the Grinch for the first time when she goes up to his, his cave and it's just like it's the first time you've seen him interacting with anyone mm. and you kind of actually get other than Max the dog with the little nose which is which is cute um, that's why you like it isn't it yeah, yeah I like it for Max <laughs> and yeah and also Cindy Lou Who is Taylor Momsen who's obviously grown up to be a bit of a wild child so Ooh, yeah try hard <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about horror a little bit as okay. you know I'm a horror aficionado there's a couple of really good Christmas horror films um, that I recommend to people. Black Christmas yes. from 1974. Uh, it's a slasher movie uh, where kind of it's almost like the the baddies in the house. Oh, uh, it's kind of like the the beginning, the beginning of Scream is kind of uh, influenced by that. And what I love about Black Christmas is it, it did it maybe four years before John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm. And everyone says John Carpenter's Halloween is this classic and it changed the film industry. But Black Christmas did it. I haven't it, actually seen Black Christmas. It, 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 Halloween might be a little bit... You know, it's a, it's a better made movie. Yeah. But a lot of the tropes, a lot of the um, the ideas, and a lot of the um, the tone, and it, it's all it's all from Black Christmas. So I think that's a really good one. I haven't got a specific moment. I mean, it's 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 your typical slasher fair, but I kind of like the fact that it's set at Christmas. Yeah. It makes it that much nastier. And there's a film called The Children, which I've championed on the site a few times. It's a British horror film from about eight years ago, and it's about a couple of families going out to the countryside. And spending Christmas together in it, in it like a, 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 a kind of wood cabin, <laughs> and and the it kids really does, the kids it? all start getting um like a cold okay. that they've all got and they're all a little bit ill, and then slowly but short and they're quite young kids they're toddlers pretty Where are much. Where we going with this? Yeah. And then uh, accidents start happening, and then people start dying, and the, the kids the toddlers are killing the parents. Uh, because of this illness that they've got, oh, and okay. it's it's horrible. But you know what? It's really good. It's kind of good fun. Like it, it's done. It's done with a sense of fun, if you can say that about that. that <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah. So again, not not a specific moment from that. But if you want to check out Christmas horror, I recommend Black Christmas. I recommend The Children. And finally, there's a film called Rare Exports, which is a mm. Finnish film from about six seven years ago about uh, kids trying to find uh, finding out the true secret of Santa and he's actually evil. And it's brilliant. It's actually got that Joe Dante Gremlins tone to it, yeah. where it's kind of, it's a kid's film, but it's nasty enough, or maybe too nasty for kids, and it's funny, and it's dark, and you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't be. And there is a scene in that where there is an army 
of Santa's evil elves running across the snow. Uh, I think they're after the kids at the time. And they're all played by really old men who are naked. <laughs> and you can just you just see what? this. It's all done for real. And they've got quite really long beards that are kind of sometimes covering their genitals, but not always. And it's just this sea, <laughs> sea of ball bags, like sprinting towards you. Uh, through the, from Giving the, them black eyes. They're so dangly. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's a brilliant scene. It's my favorite bit of the movie. And it just, oh it, my God. that film is really worth seeking out. Wow, well, you've sold really? me on it, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Okay, uh, any more? Definitely not for children. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's the, like, if you're, not a young child, but, like, if you're kids. 10 years old, I think you'd be sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is great. Uh, any more for any more? Uh, I have one more. Okay, I'm coming to the end. Which uh, is the Santa Claus. Yes, okay. Okay. And I, I love the moment where um, they're taken on the sleigh to the North Pole, and obviously very skeptical that nothing's actually there. And then once it's revealed, the North Pole's there and the whole toy factory and you're given this, you know, magical kind of mm. tour of yeah, like what's yeah. going on. It's just fantastic as a kid, like you really buy into it. The little uh, like train tracks, you can just hop on and it goes yeah, all it's around pretty cute. The, uh, the factory. I just think that's a great Christmas moment. Between yeah. like the father and the, the son as well, you know, because they're kind of struggling a little bit in their relationship. Yep. And then to go through this together, it's, it's, it's a great film. I absolutely yeah. love it. Conveniently, I have one more, um, which is a, another modernish one, uh, Arthur Christmas. Am I right in saying you haven't seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, no. I've Arthur, got it on DVD. Yeah, Arthur so Christmas. I'm gonna I make a note now. Have you seen Arthur Christmas? No. Okay, so it's um. I think I'm right in saying James McAvoy voices the lead. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just brilliant. It's somehow manages to do something that, you know, we've all seen. Well, we've given examples of so many Christmas films, but it's just slightly. It's a slightly different twist on it. And his enthusiasm and exuberance is very childlike. But um, without spoiling it, you know, he's part of the lineage of kind of father christmas but like he isn't father christmas yeah it's just it's just a really really nice um it's just a really nice mm. film and I, w I went to see it with my mum about two years ago i think we'd both kind of had a really like rough couple of weeks in the run up to christmas we were like oh should we just go to the cinema and there was nothing on and we were just like screw it let's just go and see this because it's christmasy and it'll <laughs> cheer us up and it was like it just really kind of was really nice and really funny and really happy. Yeah, good thing uh, you didn't go see ball bag Santa Claus over there. Yeah, like, oh, why not? How could things get there? worse? <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, so, yeah, no, so I would I would heartily recommend Arthur Christmas. It's, it's really good. Okay, if you can awesome. each pick one moment, what would be your favourite out of Oof. all those? That's tough. I'm going to probably go with either... No, no. there's okay, one okay. choice. Okay, I'll, go, I'll go for the Nightmare Before Christmas one because I, I make it a point to watch that on a yearly basis. And I just think that kind of joy and God knows I love a musical. So. Okay. Rory, if you can have one moment. I am going to go with the, the uh, opening sequence of the, the Muppets, Muppet Christmas okay. Carol. Um, that's one, one, as you said, like one mm. soundtrack to a film that I have refused to let myself download and listen to. So I only get to hear the songs once a year. So it's a very special... Because you know, I'll get sick of it if you that's listen funny. to it too much. No, yeah. So I only hear uh, these songs once every year and it just means so much to me. So that's definitely got to be mine. Wow, so you both went for musical moments. Yeah. We did, yeah. Well, music's emotive, isn't it? I mean, I'm tempted to go for ball bag Santa Claus. <laughs> now, you, now you call it that. But I won't. I'll, I'll go for uh, It's a Wonderful Life, George running through Bedford Falls, uh, just happy to be alive. Yeah, uh, that is quite sweet. That makes me, feel, makes me feel very positive. Yeah. Yes.
Cool. Uh, right. Uh, let's do some feedback. Yeah. We talked for a long time there, didn't we? Did. we? So, uh, who has the first bit? I do. So, uh, Neil Patel from Leicester says, uh, Thanks for reading my email last week. You didn't piss on my memories. Um, I was just merely showing my questionable taste in games. So, on the subject of game exclusivity, do you think we would have seen games like The Last of Us if game exclusivity didn't exist? Competition amongst Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo can only benefit us gamers and push them into publishing high quality console exclusive titles rather than rely on multi-platform yearly franchises with the promise of exclusive DLC to win over the consumer. In short, I'm all for it. Um, it's interesting, because I don't think exclusivity is necessarily a good thing. I think if there's a great game like The Last of Us. Like, my um, my cousin is a staunch export, uh, yeah. export ex, uh, Xbox fan, and so he's never played The Last of Us. And I find that really upsetting, because it's such a great game. I've never played it either, so because I just I don't have any PlayStation consoles. Yeah, so, so and I find that... That is a real shame because it is a real triumph in kind of the medium. But by the same token, I do think there is some benefit in what in what Neil suggested. Yeah, it's an interesting know, point. Because it does definitely foster, if you know you've got to kind of hit sale, you've got to sell a lot more to make the same amount of profit because you're only trying to hit mm -hmm. one platform, right? Yeah. So it better be definitive in what it's doing. Um, and that's again like, you know, you look at the fact that now Street Fighter is going to be... Uh, exclusive on PlayStation Street Fighter V. Um, and, you know, Microsoft is like, well, we're happy with that because we've got Killer Instinct. You know, that will hopefully push them to make the next Killer Instinct even better. Mm. Exactly. So, it's just one of the, the, you know, the pros and cons of competition. Exactly. We always say that competition is healthy. And, you know, I think that this is just further evidence to that. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Did I get I think, your feedback? Yeah, no, you've got that bit first. Oh, so that's, okay. that's a follows up, uh, another about exclusivity, because obviously we talked about it at length last week. Yeah. Uh, so James Toy Toyu Toyu I believe. Well, uh, he's 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 shown you how to pronounce it there. Oh, he has. He's actually spelled it out phonetically, Koyu. and I did highlight I was close. it. Were James Toyu, <laughs> thank you, James. Oh, and a little winky smiley. Wink. <laughs> oh, you didn't see that because I just—it's a podcast, right? There's a camera uh, there. Oh yeah, wink. Uh, Blimey, just get on with <laughs> it. Sorry, yeah. Duck Hunt. Listening to your latest cast, and you talked about what game would be. Uh, a console seller for us listeners, and I definitely know mine, since it already happened. The first, uh, I was a hardcore Nintendo fanboy back in the day, and Super Nintendo reigned king because of Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. Then Final Fantasy VII got announced for PlayStation, and I ended up purchasing the game seven months before I could even afford the PSX. I was 13 in brackets. Mm. Second time, more recent, uh, was now being a semi-fanboy to Sony, although I tend to buy all systems these days. I wanted an Xbox One for Killer, Inks Killer Instinct. There you mm -hmm. go, that's tie-in nice. Uh, luckily, I managed to get one for my birthday, which also ended up flipping, still new and unopened, for a new day one edition I lucked out finding in a local electronics store. Having two kids now, I have to start being selected on my video game spending, but would I do it again? Yes. <laughs> and I think only for two games slash series. Obviously, Final Fantasy, which mm. you know a lot about, Luke, uh, as mentioned above. But a new grown obsession would be that I follow Destiny wherever it goes. Yes. That is interesting. And that is James Koyu. There you go. Nailed it. Yep. Well, I think he says it all there, doesn't he? But that's yeah. very interesting. It's an interesting viewpoint on this subject. Have you guys flip-flopped at all in your kind of uh, your, your consoles? Um following games or you know popularity uh, things like that my uh, what i usually go with is what my friends have so when i was younger i had my playstation i always had a playstation 2 yeah i got an xbox to play with my cousin because he wanted an xbox um and actually fable i think the original fable where peter molyneux promised the earth um that the promises really wrote me in and then i got it and it was a bit um so yes yeah, so now i think i probably did for that but i've always kind of 
I've always had um, both eventually. It's just kind of been a question of first. At the moment, I don't have an Xbox One and I don't have a Wii U. Yeah. Um, but I'm debating buying myself a Wii U for Christmas as a Christmas present to myself because I've been just That's not awesome. lame. I've just been it's awesome not. this year and I just think someone's got to recognize it, right? <laughs> Uh, I've done a bit of what he has. Obviously, I started off as a Nintendo fan, uh, yeah. like a lot of people, and then I've kind of I went got into PlayStation as well for a lot of you know the the newer generation. But then now I've kind of shifted over to Xbox, so I've kind of been at all in all the fields. You're basically a whore. I yeah, I'm a video game whore. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, there are pros and cons. It is basically just a lot of it depends on what your friends have and what you know they're yeah. enjoying. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I've got a email from Kyle Marsden, who's talking. We talked about Troy Baker last week and how he's omnipresent. Is that the right word? Yeah, everywhere. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, I've just listened to your discussion last week about Troy Baker being in everything as a voice actor in games, and you mentioned um, him in Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare. Got me thinking. In that game, Troy voice acts a character called Jack Mitchell." But it wasn't until I googled him that I realised the graphic model of him is actually based on what he looks like. And with further investigation found out that all the characters in the game are designed to look like their real life counterparts. This got me thinking. We see actors playing different roles all the time in films and TV, but could we do the same in games? Could Troy or a similar voice actor pop up in another game as a character that looks like him and so therefore start building up his acting repertoire through a virtual representation of himself? What do you guys think? So I think this is a tricky one because one of the strongest things that game voice actors have going for them is that they can do different roles and they're not kind of pinned down by their looks. So, you know, Troy Baker is um, Pagan Min in Far Cry 4, right? Yeah. Um, despite not being the same ethnicity as him. So, like, you know, there's lots of different things. It also depends whether they want to do motion capture or performance capture. Like, I know um, performance capture, obviously, is when they capture everything. So that's what they did with Kevin Spacey. He also had the little balls on his face. Yep. So they could recreate it. <laughs> not for the first time. <laughs> what? Hey, no, go on. Lads, lads, lads. Back to Santa Claus. Yeah. Can we cut that out? Yeah. Snip that out. Uh, we need to beep that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. So, so that happened. And um, it was also... So I... <laughs> Going to prison, I'll spend Christmas oh, in prison. It'll be fine. Um, so I see, I see what you're saying, but I think one of the strongest points is so Troy Baker is everywhere. Um, like he's yeah. in everything. You know, he was yeah. Joel in The Last of Us. He yeah. was. Well, now we did the list last week, yeah. and it was exactly. incredible. Yeah. So he's absolutely everywhere, and I think if it was based on how he actually physically looked, that's you know. But is that not how it's going to happen going forward in films, where you get the choice to cast uh, Brad Pitt to look like Brad Pitt in a movie? Or you cast him in, you know, Lord of the Rings, Warcraft, X, um, Planet of the Apes, where then you've got the the motion capture. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, if he started cropping up in different games looking like he does yeah. in real life. It's interesting, though, because then you kind of... It's weird, because in, in games, we're kind of... Or in films, we don't mind, oh, yes, this is Tom Hanks in this, this is Tom Hanks in this but it's not the same character. Well, yeah. I don't know if maybe in games we're not used to that. And if we see the same, someone who looks the same as someone else, we kind of automatically make the connection. Is there a connection between these two universes or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's actually would need a bigger kind of sea change. I didn't even really think of any cons for it until you kind of started stating the cases because mm. I am absolutely all for, you know, making, advancing with performance capture and motion capture. Yeah. One of the, the you know, the, the greatest uh, characters in any video game that I experienced was Vass in Far Cry 3. Yeah. And I actually, I really found him incredibly fascinating and I did a lot of research on it. <clears throat> and he too was actually, uh, it was an actor who came into audition for the role 
And originally, I think that the character design didn't didn't look anything like the the actor. But after he did this performance, and I think he even threw on this accent, this kind of uh, Spanish accent or you know Mediterranean accent, and they absolutely they just changed the character to look like him. And you know because of this, you just have one of the most iconic villains. Uh, all the cutscenes are just mem mesmerizing. It is just really incredible. And I think if you can get that kind of emotion and that kind of detail out of a performance. Uh, without doing the capture, then you know that also works. Mm. But it is obviously a lot more complicated because if you're just using the voice from a character, yeah, then it's it's hard to get the little intricacies uh, of the facial movements and things like that. But it's definitely interesting to see how how we'll progress. But I personally, I'm very interested to see in performance capture become yep. a bigger part. Just um, uh, that's it. So um, just kind of linking into that. Um, do you remember Star Wars: The Force Unleashed? I do. Yeah. Because there was a game. Uh, the guy who played uh, Darth Vader's apprentice in that uh, Star killer he's played by uh, Sam Witwer is the guy's name mm. who is an actor yeah. and um, his appearance is based on Sam Witwer and so he looks exactly like Sam Witwer and now it's weird because in the comics that also deal with uh, with that guy yeah. with with you know the character um, his appearance is used so it, do it does kind of happen that way sometimes he's kind of like through acting in a game he's then gone into extended stuff Elsewhere, exactly, I which is great. It's great to be able to do that, you know. For I don't know what else him. he's been in. I only know he was in the Mist. He's in the American Being Human. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah Sam Witwer from the American Being Human, and I just seen him in the Stephen King The Mist adaptation. Not Sam Witwicky from Transformers. No, definitely not. Lukey, you're up next. <laughs> I am indeed. So um, <coughs> this is from Joseph from Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, he says, "I want to throw, in my opinion, my personal game of the year, uh, mainly because he doesn't think anyone else will look at it. Um, it's a game called Transistor." I've played and it is very good. So he says, uh, the visuals, music, and gameplay speak for themselves. It's beautiful and incredibly fun if you like tactical games, but none of that's why he l fell in love with the game. A lot of people let themselves get confused by the slightly convoluted story about why the events in the game are happening, but what he found brilliant was that none of it mattered. All that mattered for Red, the heroine, was rescuing her love interest from the predicament he's wound up in, and all that mattered to Mr. Sword, the love interest, was that Red survived the events to come. The frustration you feel from Red not being able to communicate with him and how they go about facilitating what little communication they do is heart-wrenching and really clever. The world's fallen apart around them, but all they, and by extent you, care about is each other, and the payoff's magnificent. So he says uh, these days, where, um, where to be critically acclaimed usually means the fiction in question is seriously depressing. I love the game for making me smile and fall in love with the characters. Um, and he also says, uh, please give us more football talk. Excellent. Well, I can't really help with that. Wrong. <laughs> so, for that. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Football, football. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to hear, though, it's something that's a, a game that kind of isn't on a huge amount of lists. Yeah. Uh, being called out. And it does sound like an interesting game. It is. I, think, um, I have a feeling it was on. It was one of the PS Plus free ones a while ago. Yeah. I was going to ask, is it like is it an exclusive? or is it No, I think it's on both platforms, but I do think it was a PS Plus game um, a couple of months ago. I have a feeling, but I'm not sure. Cool. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to save that till a bit later, actually. Okay. Let's do uh, out this week first. Uh, games. I believe it's a bumper week for games, isn't it, Luke? Uh, yes, we have a lot to get through. Um, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Good. So there you <laughs> go. Nothing out this Absolutely week. Absolutely nothing. So Absolutely now. Uh, films. Um, so there's the film I mentioned earlier, Contiki, mm. which is about the 1947 crossing of the Pacific on a raft. Uh, it's been around for a while. It's been floating around <laughs> oh, for a while. Uh, I mean, year or two I've heard about this film, I think. And there's, I think there's maybe a dubbed version or maybe they shot it in English and um, in the country it's from. And I can't remember which country it's from. Yeah. But anyway, apparently it's a very good action film. I don't think it's going to be in every cinema, but it's on Netflix now or soon. Uh, we've also got uh, Night at the Museum 3. Um, 
Yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> uh, Gav saw it and th- he quite liked it, which surprised oh. me. Um, Have you it, seen any other ones? I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I saw the first one. I think I did. I interviewed. I might have done some interviews on the first I one. I feel Robin Williams is in this. He is. And apparently someone told me it's depressing that he's in it because it's such a grim note for him to go out on because it's a bad film. Yeah. And then Gav was saying it's actually quite a, it's quite a sad role because it's what it, his character is going through in the film is quite... Depressing about having to deal with life, maybe being a statue forever and just disappearing. Um, Good God. So we gave it 6.3, but also in the conclusion said it lacks heart and humour, which surely a film like that needs both of them to work. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what it is. It just feels like a waste. It's such a good cast. It just feels a bit wasted. Uh, I've heard interesting things about Rebel Wilson's accent as well. Yeah, is she a Brit in it? She, well, in theory. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If... And if you watch that interview that went viral uh, this week, Ben oh, Kingsley, that girl, God. he seems to think Rebel Wilson's a man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not in your work team, is he? Like, mm, thanks, <laughs> Sir Ben. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, if you want something to take the family to, you could do a lot worse than Martin Museum 3. Mm. Inoffensive, but... It's not gonna. It's not gonna uh, yeah. make you Christmas. Uh, Dumb and Dumb and Two's out finally in the UK. It came out in America a couple of months ago. Um, youngsters, either side of me. Any interest in Dumb and Dumber? I like uh, when I watched the first one when I was a kid. I yeah. was like, this is rubbish. I don't enjoy this. But then weirdly, when I got older and watched it again, I didn't mind it because it's so stupid. Yeah. I actually kind of have a funny story about uh, the second one. This was kind of around the, the decline of the like the uh, DVD stores where you go like rent DVDs. Uh-huh. So we went and our local one was actually closing down. Uh, me and my brother went. And we were like, you know what? Let's get let's rent out Dumb and Dumber too. So I took him. I was like, hey, can we rent this out? And they were like, uh, they were like, you can you can buy it for two pounds. And it's like, oh, we just want to rent it. <laughs> and they were like, well, it's two fifty to rent. It's like, or it's two pounds to buy, and I was just like, I've got two fifty. Like, I don't really want. I don't. It's, I'm gonna watch it once. Let's face it, and then it's probably gonna sit in my house. And she was like, Do you just want it one fifty? So I was like, All right. So, we, so I bought it. I wow, you were haggling. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about the prequel? Yeah, Dumb, Dumb and Dumber, Dumber prequel. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Dumb yeah, and Dumber. Yeah. Sorry, that's confusing. Because this one's Dumb and Dumber too. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's Dumb and Dumber, the prequel that uh, didn't have the involvement of the original people. Uh, I have a bit of a story on that front. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I went out on the set of Hostel uh, and uh, I got to know, I, I knew some of the people involved with the film and one of the actors, one of the main actors in it, oh, man, what's his name? I think it was called Jeff. Uh, no, he wasn't called Jeff because that spoils it. Uh, Dennis, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he was in Dumb and Dumber and it was it was such a huge disaster that like I said, people were telling me when we interviewed him, just don't bring it up. Just he doesn't want to talk about it. He just... Hate this is so embarrassed, and so I didn't. I got on really well with him. We, we had an in, we had a really nice interview, and then we all went out drinking that oh night in Prague. No. And I got hammered, and I thought, right, I'm having you, mate. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, so it, and I was just looking. I'm like, I'm like, man, you really, you really remind me someone of someone. I can't think who it is. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hold. I said, hold on, you look like a young Jeff Daniels. Oh, <laughs> and he God. went, he went. F off. I'm not going to swear. And uh, and then uh, we got chatting about it. Uh, he, he was joking. He was, I was joking. He was joking. We had a drink about it. And um, he just said to me that, you know, when he, when he signed up for that movie, he hadn't done much. And he was kind of, you know, his agent, his manager would say, this is going to be massive. Yeah. This is a prequel to one of the biggest comedies of all time. Um, it's going to put you on the map. This is, you have to do this. And all the way through it, he thought, man, I'm going to be huge. Oh, like, this, no. is, this is it. And then literally for like two years, he couldn't get any work because it was, it was just, it was like, it was, it was poisonous yeah. being in that movie. So, <laughs> so God. anyway, Dumb and Dumber 2. I don't remember it being that bad. 
it's pretty bad. Well, it's because <laughs> you know, Dumb and Dumber is 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 a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. yeah. And so for anyone else trying to do Jim Carrey, it's not possible. The same with Son of the Mask. You had Jamie Kennedy trying to be exactly. Jim Carrey. It does not work. Yeah. Um, because he's unique. He's one of a kind. And in Jeff Daniels, like playing against type, was really really funny in it. Um, so I, I would say it's one of my favourite comedies of all time. I watched it with my family as a kid in the States in the cinema and it was just, we all laughed all the way through it. It was just a really good memory. I've watched it loads since. I think it's a really funny film. Um, I think it's the best Farrelly Brothers film, actually. Mm. Yeah. This one, unless you feel like me about the original, I don't think you'll get... Yeah, it. yeah. It's a trip down nostalgia lane and it, it works. I mean, there's lots of callbacks to the original film that you won't get if you haven't seen it, which I think is kind of not very fair on... It's 20 years, <laughs> you yeah, know? I was going to say. Uh, but in the last half hour, I got a bit bored. But it is funny. It's really non-PC, which is really nice to very nice. see in this day and age. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was okay. It, it made me feel similar to how Anchorman made me feel, the sequel. Yeah. I won't be watching it again. Yeah. I'll be watching the original, the original. again. Exactly. Uh, so we gave it 6.3. But, yeah, I mean, not a huge amount of great movies out this Christmas. So... <laughs> Oh, they have just all the re-releases. Yeah, yeah so exactly. watch watch all the Christmas movie moments that we suggested. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, so, bar bar one. Yeah, bar one. Uh, <laughs> if you pass me uh, that, let me, I'll, I'll read that out because it's a bit kind of self-indulgent. But this one. yeah, we got quite a, quite a nice email from the Duck Hunters. Yeah, um, from Kevin, uh, Jamie, and Scott. And they said, I won't read the whole thing out because it says lots of nice things about us and that's a bit cringeworthy to read that. But he says, uh, Duck <laughs> Hunt, uh, hi guys, um, this isn't a question, but thank you and a Merry Christmas from everyone over at the Facebook group. Uh, this year has been a great one. What with the community coming together and helping you win the much-deserved Gamers' Choice Awards at this year's GMAs and the forming of the fan Facebook Duck Hunt group, which has grown to a healthy size and also helped many of us make new friends online and off. And that's really lovely. Uh, it's been nice to become friends with all you guys as yeah. well. And thanks for, thanks for supporting the, the quizzes and the events we've done. Thanks for listening to the podcast and yeah I think this is the last one this is the last one we're doing before Christmas yes yeah there will be ones tiding you over yeah yeah we're gonna do sort of uh, previews of next year and looking back at this year but Mm. this is the last one so I think we just want to say a big thank you to everyone for listening and watching and commenting and emailing do it for it like you know we kind of do it for you guys really because you you give us the stuff to keep talking about and like yeah it's yeah, nice it's been, to know that you're enjoying it. Yeah, and, and thanks for welcoming the newcomers to the yeah. podcast. God exactly. knows we haven't welcomed them in the office. Rory, <laughs> Rory and Gav. It's but, actually a really... Uh, I've kind of hovered around the group a little bit on uh, Facebook before. It's really nice. Everyone there is like really great. It's yeah. one yeah. of those like... Positive energy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very rare... Uh, Internet game comment, yeah. Where there's just no assholes. Yeah, I was like, it's say. Just genuinely nice. People. Yeah, and it's welcome relief sometimes when you go from the comments we receive sometimes <laughs> on our <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, go over there, it's like, ah, oh, it's like having a, a cleansing bath. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and happy holidays <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.